0: If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, blue this, this, this is a, pod, is a for you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by E.J. Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. To quote one New Yorker and a former NBA great, what's so great about Cleveland? Shout out to Joakim Noah. The Knicks losing streak is over. I'm E.J. Stewart. Tommy Veer joining me as well. Orange and Blue Blood, the New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFAN. A podcast you can get wherever you get. Your podcast includes the free Odyssey admin. Sure you get the auto-download feature and subscribe to the channel because we come to you guys three times a week. This is the second episode this week. And, Tommy, we actually get to talk about Knicks win. It feels like it's been ages since we've gotten to talk about a dub, but the Knicks found a way to hold on last night. Do you want a vacation in Cleveland? I never heard anybody
1: <laughs> say they want to... um, Yes, yes. We finally, the uh, Knicks finally snapped the skid. Um, seemed like it's been a minute since we uh, were able to recap a win um, and preview a game with the, the Knicks potentially building some positive momentum. Um, and it seems like whenever the Knicks have really needed a victory this season, where they've been hard-pressed and backed into to a corner, um, get Get Adam Silver on the line and have him deliver Donovan Mitchell to New York. Um, and the Knicks get uh get healthy on uh on a not that they didn't make it interesting as they always do, uh, but the Knicks got a much needed victory on Tuesday night.
0: Yeah, it's wild that the two biggest wins of the season and wins that you could argue maybe save their seasons come against the Cleveland Cavaliers at Madison Square Garden. That alone is interesting, uh, note. So we'll talk about this Knicks win, we'll also talk about. A very interesting article dropped by The Athletic about the future of Bob Myers and how uncertain it is that he may remain with the Golden State Warriors and how the Knicks may play into Myers' future. So, very fascinating. We'll discuss that. And we'll discuss Thursday's matchup with the Boston Celtics. It's the second matchup between these two teams. We have not seen the Celtics in a minute. So, it'll be fun to talk to Tommy about what we're seeing from the Celtics this season, how they match up with the New York Knickerbockers. But let's begin with the Tuesday night when the Knicks battled to the end and defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers 105-103 at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday. The game came down to one final play where the much-beligned, much-beleaguered center Isaiah Hardenstein came up with the huge defensive stop blocking Donovan Mitchell at the rim to preserve the lead and secure the game for the Knicks. New York was led by Julius Randle who put forth arguably his best game as a Knick considering the importance of this game. He had 36 points in this one. He had eight three-pointers. He also added 13 rebounds in this game. In total, the Knicks had five players in double figures. New York survived a late Cleveland push that was led by Donovan Mitchell, who struggled for a lot of the first half and ended up with 24 points. Uh, he had to be helped off the court after the final buzzer uh, during that, you know, following that confrontation at the rim with Isaiah Hartenstein. sign. We'll actually hear from Donovan Mitchell. I have sound on that. Um, but they also got Jared Allen, who had 24 points, and Dar- Darius Garland at 22, but not enough in this one as the Knicks find a way to hold on to win. So I'll ask Tommy to start right here out of the shoot. How were the Knicks able to secure this victory, a much needed win over a very talented Cavaliers team? And a Cavs
1: team that was fully healthy uh, for basically yes. the, the, the whole time of the season. Um, and I think it's, it's we got to start, you know, listen, Isaiah Harden seen, deserves all the credit we've knocked him he deserves a big pat on the back he deserves his flowers for this game IQ returning to the lineup was huge led the team in plus minus as he really always seems to does I think that's actually six games in a row in which he's led the that he's played that he's led the team in plus minus um immensely important to have him as we talked about Tibbs doesn't rely on a lot of guys IQ is certainly one of those players I um, actually stumbled upon a stat. He leads the league in fourth quarter minutes played dating back to the start of last season. Um, so wow. just, it just kind of lends, you know, he. he, he Tibbs trust that dude, um, and, and having him back was important. It seemed like uh, that was just a minor hiccup with some some knee soreness. Hopefully, uh, it didn't sound like he had any setbacks, um, so so he should be good going forward. Um, but I, to me, the takeaway from this game was Randall. Um, mm. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. Uh, we'll talk about it uh, this afternoon. The guy has been, you know, I, and and I wrote this morning like if he had if you had told Nick fans coming into this season that Julius Randall would be a 75% facsimile of of the of the um the bubble season randall the all nba right. season randall you know and some type of approximation of the randall that we saw two years ago they would happily sign up for it not yeah. only has randall been that good he's been better he's been more efficient he's been more productive um you know looking at the numbers randall's uh 2021 uh 2020 21 season averaged 24 10 and 2.3 2.3 made threes with 34 turnovers. This season, he's averaging 24.6 points, 10.9 rebounds, fewer turnovers. He's posted a higher true shooting percentage. Really, everything you could give second in the league in points scored in the first quarter, which we know in the NBA is important. You don't want to be digging out from a ditch and, and get yourself yeah. in the hole. It's been huge. 17 big points in the in the first quarter. Um, last night, uh, on Tuesday night, he's just really been that guy. Um, you know, Listen, are there some antics that frustrate you? Absolutely. 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 Is the the showing RJ up, you know, raising his hands and saying, pass me the ball. Um, You could see how it could rub. You know, we, we saw that last time. We could see how it could rub teammates the wrong way. Does he get too focused on the referee sometimes? Yes. All that being said, Knicks uh, are, would not be three games above 500 without Julius Randall. You know, we talked about a month ago, it would look like if the Knicks were going to have one all-star representative, that'd be Jalen Brunson right now, uh, Randall has pushed ahead of Brunson Brunson actually had mm. another um, disappointing game last night but if the Knicks only get one guy in that game um, it, it deserves to be Randall uh, as as we sit here on the 25th um, and part of that makes it far more likely as, as as we've discussed previously is the positional breakdown there's just far more talented competitive spots for the guards um, than there is for for the forward so so but Randall looks like a showing, but as I said, the numbers you're looking at going back over the last, you know, 25 games—that's a—that's a more than a quarter of the season. Dude is averaging 27.9 points, 13.2 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 3.2 made threes. That's not all-star numbers. That's all NBA numbers again. So yep. uh, kudos to, to Julius Randle who had another monster game on Tuesday night.
0: Yeah, Julius was spectacular. Um, Julius, to me, as I tweeted, watching the game on Tuesday night, it, it looked like he was trying to will his team to a win. And, you know, it started with that first quarter. And we've seen Julius do this oftentimes this season where he has these fantastic first quarters and he kind of gets keeps the Knicks either afloat or gets the Knicks further ahead. And we saw how he was able to put the Knicks ahead early with how he started that first quarter. I thought he really set the tone. And you're right about how, like, those antics sometimes. So saw, you saw, know, I saw him show up RJ. I think he showed up Quentin Grimes on a, on a turnover that he had, a bad turnover that was his fault. But yes, yes. I almost didn't. The fact that he was so animated last night, I almost didn't mind because I think maybe him, him, maybe more than anybody on the team, kind of understood the gravity of that game. I think that's kind of why he was a little bit on one, a little bit in terms of the antics and the emotion because he played with a ferocity. I mean, that play under the basket where he gets like three or four off the rebounds by himself. He's up against, you know, those trees that they have with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I'm young past the ball, but you know, he was determined to score there and he was going to make sure. That he was gonna put somebody through the rim if he could. I mean, he he just played with a level of intensity that was, was special last night. That like that's the kind of effort the Knicks needed. I think he knew the gravity of the situation. And Coach Thibodeau uh talked about how great Julius was in that game. Let's hear from Tom.
1: Monster game. You know, I think he it set the tone for us in the first quarter. I think he had seventeen in the first quarter. Uh
0: so in, in he's his rebounding has been off the charts the last, you know. 15, 20 games. So that that part is, is huge also. And another big rebounding game last night, and, and that's also been something. And that's – I gotta give Julius credit because we talked about it on this podcast uh, maybe a month ago. Like he had mentioned kind of off-cuff, like, yeah, you know, my rebounds has been a little down this year. I need to kind of pick that up. And it wasn't something I think anybody was like really sitting around saying, hey, man, Julius is not doing enough on the glass, you know. But like he kind of took it upon himself to say this has to be something I focus on. And since then, I mean, he's averaging like 13, he's had 13 rebounds, essentially, uh, you know, these games where he doesn't get 15, 16 rebounds are almost surprising at this point. That's how Dominic's been on the glass. So to put on that performance against that team was great. I agree with you that he has surpassed Jalen Brunson in terms of likelihood of Nick gets into the all-star game. I still would argue Jalen Brunson is the most important Nick, but Julius's play has just been undeniable. And when you compare that to some of the other forwards, and front court players in the league. I think he has to be an all-star. I hope Jalen Brunson still makes it. I issued the challenge to Jalen Brunson on the last podcast saying he needed to have a big game. He didn't quite answer the bell but Julius did and that's why you have a team. It's a team game. It's not about one guy. It's whoever can step up to make make the make the plays and 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 and, and come through for the squad and last night you know on Tuesday it was Randall. So credit to him and credit to Isaiah Hardenstein. I mean this is a guy who we have been, you know, we've been on him for a, a while now. And last night, one of those games where you may look at the box score. Box score is not going to really be indicate how well he played. I thought. I thought he was really good on the glass. I, like he was challenging every missed shot in terms of Nick missed shots, Cavs missed shots. Like he was really good on the glass, even if the rebound numbers don't suggest it. I think he had three offensive rebounds. Um, I, I thought that he was just a, a force around the basket. Like he he played. He kind of played the way I think Tibbs wants him to play. Now I'm not sure if that's Isaiah Hartenstein's game, but it seems like Hartenstein, at least in that game, embraced being this tough rim protector. And it was hilarious because in the post game, uh, they asked him about that final play against Donovan Mitchell, and he has said that essentially he 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 kept hearing Tibbs' voice in his head saying, you know, verticality, 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 which was uh, pretty funny. So the fact that he he, he was able to, to make that play, I was happy for Isaiah Hardenstein, a guy who we heard just on the same day of this game that the Clippers were apparently interested in him because of how poorly the Knicks had, he had been playing with the Knicks. That was a report from uh, Kevin O'Connor. So uh, we'll see how that ends up shaking out.
1: But a great game for Isaiah Hardenstein. Uh, fascinating final play of the game there. Um, I don't think Hardenstein fouled them, but that's a foul that gets called more often than not in the NBA when a, when a star player attacks the rim closing seconds of a, of a two point game, you know, it's not like a foul would have decided, you know, that best it would have sent it to overtime. Um, You know, you see the refs maybe don't call it, but then when they see the shot missed, they'll give a late whistle just to send it to the free throw line. Um, So I was surprised that the whistle was not blown in that particular situation. Uh, You know, we've seen it time and time again, um, superstars get calls um, Hartenstein's not exactly a, the most respected defender in the NBA and he right. did go up vertically, but then he did lean down, only made contact with the ball, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a clear block charge type situation. Right. Um, that's a call that that's 50, 50 at best, but credit to the refs. They made the right call. Um, uh, did not see any contact. Um, we'll see when the two minute issue, two minute report gets issued. My, my assumption is that won't be uh, you know, an error on the, on the referees part. So, um, but yeah, I, I think maybe the, the, one of the most interesting numbers for Hardenstein is 12. That's the number of minutes he played in the fourth quarter, um, mm. played the entirety of the final frame. Um, and, and like, he, and, and I think it was important when we talked about, uh, mid-season grades for the bigs you gave um you know, you said one of the things Hardenstein has going for him. Shot hasn't fallen, you know, doesn't block out as well as probably you'd like, not as athletic around the rim, you know, doesn't seem to get off his feet much. But he plays with effort, plays with intensity, yeah. and that hasn't waned. Um, and we saw that last night. So so credit to Hardenstein um, for, for, again, the effort. Um, only made two baskets, but like you said, it's not, uh, you know, the Knicks have plenty of offense. That, that's not going to be an issue. Um, they need him, especially with Robinson sideline, um, to, to kind of get in the mix. And uh, defensively clog up the paint. Uh, that's exactly what he did last night. And yes, uh, as you know, and I thought it was interesting that Kevin O'Connor of the Ring reported that the the Clippers were looking to bring him back. And in that yeah. in that column, O'Connor writes, "The Knicks have blatantly misused Hardenstein oh, right. as a rim <laughs> than a playmaker. His previous role the Clippers. Yeah. Um, uh, KOC also notes that he has a uh, Hardenstein has a twenty had a 25 assist percentage rate with the Clippers compared to 5.1 percent with the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau doesn't know how to get the best out of him, while Ty Lue already has proven he can. So, um, yeah, we'll see if that uh, if if, how that shakes out um, with Robinson um sidelined it may make it a bit less likely but um it's certainly something that the knicks uh, the, the, you know given his larger body of work he's probably a more important contributor in los angeles um so the knicks will be listening to offers but you know at, at this point um this is robert Cummington get you excited does a trader player exception get you excited probably mm-hmm. not what, what leon rose and company are looking for
0: yeah and one thing interesting about the usage of Harden sign, i don't know if you saw it in that fourth quarter they ran a little high, uh, you know, give and go, high, yeah, high coach giving with Deuce that got an assist and it was an and one, Deuce missed the free throw. But I was like, oh, okay, you know, someone showed us the Tibbs and maybe he said, okay, let's draw something yeah. up uh this game to get the Harden sign an assist. And then Harden sign. I think, got carried away because then, like, hopefully he tried to throw an outlet pass. Yeah, 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 70 feet down the court, that was a turnover. And Looked Tibbs like Zach Wilson like, on that one. Yeah, Tibbs <laughs> was, like, ready to just – he wanted to get on the court. And uh, yeah. I thought – uh, Clyde was funny because he was like, Oh, I think it was Green's like it was a smart move by Isaiah not to look over to the yes, sideline because really. Tiz was not happy with that one. But uh, but it was uh, that last play. First of all, I, I agree. I thought it was good restraint by the refs to not call that a foul. I think the instinct is just to usually see that context, you see a star player, you call a foul. They didn't do that. Um, Donovan Mitchell kind of made a side remark about how he could complain about the refs, but he wasn't going to, which to me is like you complaining about the refs. But then he also made uh, this comment about what happened during the final play because I mentioned that he got essentially helped off the court after this play. He actually got his own rebound on that miss, even though he was on the floor. But it took him a long time to get off the court. Here was Mitchell explaining what happened.
1: I went up to try and dunk it. Both my legs cramped and my groin just tightened up and locked up on me. So it was
0: three things happening at the same time. So Mitchell saying he 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 got hurt on that play I guess and he was cramping up. I I don't know if I need to hear that Mitchell on a on a play where you know a, a guy makes a great defensive play I, I you know but I, I guess he probably didn't feel great that you know someone as athletic as him and someone who's yeah. used to being such a first finisher gets stopped by Harden sign he definitely was hurt I mean he he couldn't yes. get up uh, but but I didn't think it was actually he, he he said I was gonna dunk the ball but I couldn't and that's why we didn't score on that play.
1: What happened on the other the other big turnover he had in the last two minutes when R.J. made a great defensive play, stripped the ball yeah. down low and knocked it off off Mitchell. Um, and also, you know, maybe over the first three quarters, he might have had the Grimes flu because Quinton was was doing a good oh, job yeah. staying in the short. Nine nine of 24, uh, Mitchell finishes in the game. It's his second poor shooting game um, in the garden. A lot of that has to do with uh, Quinton Grimes' excellent defense. Um, McBride got a couple switches on him there, um, uh, as did um, – IQ, IQ. yeah, very solid defender. Um, another thing, just on that final play, um, credit again to Julius Randall for forcing him inside the arc. Um, yeah. we saw Mitchell is can shoot from anywhere, thirty-five feet now step back, um, and yeah. if he shoots the three, you got a field going in as soon as he lets it go. Um, Randall did a really good job. Uh, got beat on the play, but you can certainly live with that. Force him inside the arc. Worst case scenario, if you don't foul and then one, um, as you as you go to overtime. So good job by Randall in that spot.
0: Yeah, I was yelling at the screen. Stay up, stay up, stay yes. up, stay up, because yes. you know I was just when I think Mitchell was looking for that step back as soon as he had that space. Yes, and Julius did a good job staying on top of him, so he had no choice but to go to the rim. And Harden was there. And, and uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: Just in terms of this, you know, the game, the importance of the game. A lot of you know, and and rightfully so, it was an important win, but. Knicks need to make it stick. The reason why the other game was so important is because it led to an eight-game win streak. and was looked back on as kind of the turning point. If the Knicks lose three of the next four, six of the next, you know, again, the schedule's really difficult. The eight-game winning streak schedule was favorable um, with some good good wins kind of sprinkled in. You, You know, right now, it's going to be tough for the Knicks. Boston, Miami. There's, there's just you know the Nets. There's yep. you know the Sixers coming up. There's no easy games uh, from here until the break, basically, um, where the Knicks can get healthy and, and, and have an easy one. Um, we'll talk about the Celtics a little bit later on, but it starts you know Thursday night in Boston. Which obviously, it's never an easy task. But in, in order for, in order to look at this as that as as an important win, Knicks again need to, need to make the, the win stand up. Absolutely.
0: Knicks with a big one here. They got to try to uh, a cold serve here as we get yeah. to this very difficult part of the schedule. Um, before we move on, one last uh, bit of credit I want to give to uh, anybody from this game. Tom Thibodeau, because fourth quarter, Hardenstein's playing all those minutes. I'm like, uh, Obi was fantastic again in this game. Uh, can we not try to go Randall Obi 4-5? Uh, he didn't do that. Surprise, surprise, but it did work out. Um, so creds him for that. And I thought the RJ for IQ sub was interesting when he did it late in the fourth quarter. IQ was playing sensational defense. Mitchell hit some incredible shots, but I guess all over him, yes, all over him, all over him on these shots. And him, and Quentin, him and Quentin Grimes had like a really good synergy on those switches. Nick's yeah. using switching defenses. Oh my god, I was so excited. And yes. I, I, I didn't think RJ had a great chance to cover either garland or mitchell in those situations so i was right. worried when he went to rj but then rj gets the, the big strip which is the second biggest play in the game the air ball was i don't even saw an air ball but the the defensive play big so keep going with hartenstein going with rj late uh guy gets the credit for that
1: those were the right subs i will say that the knicks did blow an 11 point lead they were up 11 with, with eight yeah. minutes left in the game and it got down. to so, you know, and then it was tied hundred, hundred. So I, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, based solely on the results, it ended up working out. But again, um, Obi only 10 minutes in the game I would have liked to have seen, you know, it's yeah. like, the, you know, he's playing well and Randall's playing well. Let's see if they play well together. Um, but like I said, um, at the end of the day, uh, what you want to do is get a victory. Nick's got the victory. Thanks in large part to a, to a Hartenstein, Brick wall and Mitchell at the rim at the end of the game. So yes, credit for the victory. No question. I still, totally. but I still would like to find minutes, even to the second quarter, third quarter, whatever the case might be. Um, again, especially with Randall out to see, uh, what, what Mitch Robb and um, I'm sorry, with, with uh, what OB and Randall can do. Um, we'll see if how, how healthy the Celtics are, whether they have their bigs and, and uh, everybody on the floor, that might be a situation yeah. that presents itself, but uh, we'll see going forward.
0: Yeah. So Knicks win this one over Cleveland. They sit seventh in the Eastern conference because of the Celtics loss to the Heat. The Knicks weren't unable to tie the Heat to the sixth spot. So the Knicks remain seventh, they're 26 and 23 on the season. We'll talk about that Celtics matchup in a bit. But first, a juicy rumor coming out of the Athletic Wednesday morning. It's uh, it, it's from their NBA staff. It was, a, it was a conglomerate report from some of the Warrior reporters and NBA writers, and essentially it was a it was a expose on the uh, nervousness in Golden State about the impending free agency of Warriors president Bob Myers. So Myers is in the final year of his contract, and there has been little traction on talks for an extension. He's reportedly seeking to be among the top paid executives in the nba which is bleeds right now be a sticking point between him and the owner uh joe lacob according to sources to the situation close to the situation the knicks were listed among possible landing spots if myers were to leave uh the warriors for another nba team the article also notes that myers falls somewhere between sixth and eighth among highest paid executives and that knicks president was among the names listed as someone who's making more than bob myers in the front office so uh, there's a lot if you're an nba fan i think it's a great article to read there are a lot of interesting notes just about like just how you know concern there is in in uh, in the bay area about bob leaving he could go and just not be in the nba he could find other ventures he launched a new podcast this year um and, and what that could mean for steph curry who's apparently really close to bob myers so very interesting article i suggest you guys check it out but from the nick standpoint let's begin with just uh the myers to new york rumor the link is there is there a possibility in your eyes you could see bob myers taking
1: over basketball operations here in new york i think so i mean first mm, wow the first piece of it is is bob myers going to leave arguably the best situational of basketball you got steph curry and listen there are some question marks, uh, you know, you have two different kind of parallel timelines. The Wiseman has not you know, has not developed as you would hope a number two pick would. Coming showed sign of promise. He's not really a significant part of the rotation. Um, you know, Moody is as, as well. They just have, you know, they, but they, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how that plays out. And then you have the Draymond free agency kind of in the rear view, you know, in the in the in the uh, in the windshield at, at looking ahead. You know, well, Clay has looked far better this season. Um, but again, you know, anytime you have Steph and, and those guys, you have a chance to to win a title. Um, but again, some very interesting comments from Bob Myers on his on a recent podcast, um, kind of in in correlation with that recent report um, on the podcast. Myers said, I really do like our group. Uh, I I do love our group. I don't think it's anything imminent as far as stepping outside this job. It's just healthy to ask where you're at and what you're doing. I'm not having an epiphany to do this or that. I'm more I more look at it as checking in with myself. So it sounds like you know um, some kind of interesting situ- interesting comments. And again, it's, yeah. it's 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 understandable for you know we we've seen top players and top coaches leave successful situations for a fresh challenge, a new challenge. Um, so if Myers is interested in leaving and, and, and remuneration is one of the issues he has with the potentially on his next contract with the, with golden state management who are facing a massive luxury tax bill. Um, and it's not like, you know, Myers helps, you know, sell seats, et cetera. Um, as long as they have Steph Curry, they're going to sell out the, the building. Um, so you add kind of factor all those things into the mix. If a guy's looking to get paid and a guy's looking for a fresh challenge, What would be better than becoming the highest paid executive in New York? If you, again, we've said it, you know, everyone has said it for the last 20 years. You win a championship anywhere else, it's great. If you win a playoff series, let alone take a team to the finals or ever, you know, uh, are in a parade float down the the Canyon of Heroes in New York City. Yeah. That is an experience unlike there is in, in maybe professional sports. It's just, it, it, it would be that fulfilling. Um, so for the competitive nature of, of, of a guy like Myers, um, I could see that being certainly a, a, an, an area of interest. Um, that being said, does um, Dolan r- pulled the trigger on, 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 on parting ways with Leon Rose and worldwide West. Um, while the results haven't been there, they, you know, it's, it's again, we've got kind of go back and forth with Rose and Tibbs. They haven't taken a step backwards. They haven't taken that huge step forward. Um, yeah again, if if you give any, basically any basketball franchise the choice, you're going to take the proven commodity in Bob Myers over the unproven in in Leon Rose. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But I agree with you. Um, A fascinating bit of speculation and something to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah. I mean, those other teams that were mentioned were, I believe, Washington and Phoenix. And I mean, I looked at it from a, I feel like, I mean, I know we are a Knicks podcast. I'm a Knicks fan, but I mean, I don't think the Washington situation is good at all. I don't know why someone would go there unless you just want to be in the nation's capital. And then the Phoenix situation, now that have a new owner who's about to take, set to take over right before the trade deadline. But, I mean, that's a roster that is broken right now. I mean, you got guys beefing with the coach. You have one of your best players is... Always injured and always hurt. I mean, you been me, older, and I'm not even talking about that Booker. I'm talking about Chris Paul, of course, being older. Devin Booker has shown some injuries, and, and they, they kind of seem to be kind of in a little bit of a malaise. So, uh, is that something you're running to? I, I don't know. So, you look at New York, and you know, they're not in salary cap hell, they're not great in salary cap, but it's not like they're in some terrible situation where they don't have a lot of cap room coming up. Is that not a situation where you know they don't have any picks, they have plenty of picks? Like, there's a lot of reason to look at this and say, hey, uh, a little bit of a blank slate here. I can kind of do whatever I want. And you know, the cover is not completely bare in terms of the talent they have currently on the roster. So and in terms of is it a possibility from Myers' standpoint, if you want to leave Golden State, I definitely think it is. Um My uh, well, my almost my other big question is, though, like, does this indicate that Leon Rose is on the hot seat? Because. I think that's kind of been, we've always talked about, you know, Tibbs, 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 because, you know, we're looking at the the product on the court and typically, you know, the coach gets asked before the front office guy gets asked. So, you know, we're kind of thinking, okay, if something major is going to happen with basketball personnel, that's going to start with the head coach. But like the fact that there are people inside, you know, the NBA that think that the Knicks would be interested in Bob Myers tells me that maybe Leon Rose's place in you know as a as a as a fixture amongst the Knicks and you know in the MSG guard MSG Massacre Garden executives and of course James Dolan may not be as entrenched as I thought. Like I didn't think Leon Rose was close to being on the hot seat. I figured Dolan was in the mindset of I'm just gonna stay away from basketball operations because everybody doesn't want me around and as long as the team is competitive I'm cool. But maybe that's not the case.
1: Yeah I, I think it's one of those situations where you're not in the hot seat until a really appealing option comes along. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with yeah. my Lions, Jared Goff's not in the hot seat right now. But if, you know, but if uh, the, the Ravens call and say Lamar Jackson's up for grabs, then we reassess things. And we, we, we <laughs> right. listen, Jared, you were great for us last year. And we're trending in the right direction. And then, you know, uh, Ubuntu and all that, you know, unity stuff. But we have a chance to get a, a, an MVP caliber QB. Uh, we're going to pull the trigger. So I think that's, that's kind of the situation. And again, so much, you know, we have, a, what, 35 or so games left in the season. Yeah. Um, it's dependent upon what happens. You know, we're talking, we're a little bit of a high note. Knicks finally got a W, three games above 500. If at the All-Star break, they're two games below 500 then have another losing streak after the break and end the year with 38 wins, um, you know, it's hard to for Leon Rose to justify when he told, um, you know, Dolan two and a half, three years ago, I'm going to get you here. You haven't, yeah. you know, the, the team is good, but not great, but not bad enough to get, you know, we don't have Victor Wembayana dreams that, you know, we're Scoot Henderson to kind of sell towards the franchise. So where are we in the hierarchy of things? There's, there's that still that confusion. Um, and and it, the, again, the plan is reliant on another player demanding out from his situation, the Knicks scooping up and bringing that superstar to New York. There's so many variables in play with that, um, you know, and, and again, Rose has positioned himself to execute a deal, uh, even though he didn't when when Donovan Mitchell was on the table. So there's just there's a lot there. Again, um, certainly can't give Rose a failing grade, but you yeah. can't give him an A either. Um, and if an A plus candidate becomes available, um, there's really nobody with the credentials of Bob Myers, um, you know, and 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 that's an, an executive, you know. I've I've said on this podcast that I think coaching is a bit overrated in, in the NBA. You know, it's so much yeah. of it is based is based on talent. If anything, I think executive leadership and and front office, um, you know, that is underrated because it's yeah. luck. Listen, a lot of it's luck. If the Knicks lose lose two more games in April of 2009, uh, or April of 2007, then maybe Steph Curry, you know, they they have the sixth pick instead of the eighth, you know, the seventh pick instead of the eighth pick. And Steph Curry, you know, is part of the the Knicks franchise for the last 13 years. There's just a million things like that that kind of go into it. Um, But again, when you have Bob Myers' track record, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Um, just the pieces on the front, you know, Andre Iguodala trade that turned out to be a genius move um, yeah. turns into a, a finals MVP. And, and you know, Durant is, is, you know, he doesn't get credit for that because KD wanted to play, um, you know, cowardly. And I, I won't say we won't we'll get into that. But, um, you know, just, again, the way he's, you know, you have the you, you draft a generational talent and then you build around it. And then you bring in a head coach like Steve Carr, ton of credit for that. Just a perfect mix of culture and competitiveness and talent and kind of guys that play an edge like Draymond. Um, every, every franchise would love to replicate the, the the Warriors, not only for the success, but the way they go about their business um, and, and the way they have for the last 10 years or so with Myers at Colton's shots.
0: And I think, you know, when we think about, you know, the possibility of the Knicks returning to title contention if Bob Myers were to take over, I would be extremely optimistic because when we think about Bob Myers' tenure in Golden State, some of these players he didn't inherit, like he inherited uh, Seth Curry, for example, obviously, but, and Klay Thompson, though he was in the front office that drafted Klay Thompson. He wasn't the GM at that time. But when I think about where things are and where they were when he took over, that was essentially a team in purgatory. Like that was a team that was like not good enough to win a title and not good enough to like get a number one pick. And that was an example when people, the people who are anti-tanking will look and say, hey, This is a team that, like, just drafted well. They drafted Harrison Barnes. They drafted Festus Azili. They drafted Draymond Green. They drafted contributing players. They developed the guys they had on the team, like Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. And now you're a dynasty. Like, you don't have to get a number one pick and and, and tank and be one of the worst teams in the league in order to um, win a championship. You don't have to get three or four stars to come together to win a championship. You could just build a team just organically, and you could win. And with the Knicks, what we kept saying is that, like, they're never good and bad enough to, like, get a top pick. And when they are, they never seem to have the luck to get the top pick. They always seem to land at three or four. Somehow, during these two decades of of, 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 of terrible play, they've only had as high as number three in the, in, the, in the draft lottery. So they're also a team that hasn't been good enough to really seriously compete for a title. So if you want a guy who can build an organization kind of the right way, Bob Myers is the guy. He's the guy who has done it the right way. So, I mean, if the Knicks swung a move to get by Myers here, I mean, you got to feel excited. And to me, you got to feel excited also because it would feel like, wow, this is the first time that the Knicks are moving into, like, the 21st century when it comes to, like, basketball evaluation and basketball team building. Like, you know, when it came to Phil Jackson, it was, you know, going back into the 20th century, really. And then when they brought in, uh leon rose it was like you know this we're gonna build this team through getting star players and it's about relationships and who we know and and who is about who you know and not what you know like it, it was these things that don't necessarily normally we associate with building championship yeah. teams you know it, going backwards in time or worry about relationships right with bob Myers. it's it's about the basketball it's about the,
1: the evaluations and that's what's oh. that's what's exciting you know, no CAA connections. You don't have to worry about all that that stuff, you know. Like, yeah, Phil Jackson was – an interesting choice because he was a great coach and Isaiah Thomas was a great player. And, you know, but they, you know, it's all, maybe we'll strike, you know, we'll hit gold really the the most, you know, one of the, it was a very short stretch, but Glenn Gunnarold who's just a career, you know, front office guy had success and and built the team the right way. And the other thing, the real benefit of uh, another major benefit of, of bringing in a guy like Bob Myers is the respect he carries his name and his brand carries to New York. It's, you know, the, the, the LOL Knicks and, you know, or they, you know, they, they hire an agent who's friends with LeBron and was at Chris Paul's yeah. birthday party. No, this is a guy who's not concerned about the spotlight. He's not known for anything other than building championship, you know, t- teams. And that's something that would bring to New York, just a no-nonsense, kind of boring, but effective uh, front office executive. And that's basically all Nick fans have been praying for for the last two decades.
0: And what's funny is, like, we also forget that Bob Myers was a sports agent. Like, that yes. is actually where he cut his teeth. But when he got to becoming a, a front office person, he wasn't relying on, oh, I'm an agent, so I worry about my relationships. Like, he, like, the Warriors are known to have the, some of the biggest budgets when it comes to scouting, when it comes to coaching staffs, like, uh, when it comes to analytics. Like, he, they really, you know, they, they they sweat the details, you know? I, I, and and it's I, unlike what we've seen with the Knicks in terms of like with Leon Rose, even though he was an agent, he, the, the appeal was we're relying on
1: the fact that he was an agent ironically one of the reasons leon rose probably got the job was listen look what bob myers did you know like one right. of the reasons palenka got the gig with the lakers look what bob myers did you know like i'm a former agent i have connections and i understand the way the league works i'm going to kind of replicate the bob myers principle so it would be uh interesting if if it ended up M- bob myers ousting leon rose
0: yeah yeah that would be something but uh... This is interesting. This is something interesting. It's something to follow. I'm not going to say it's, it's definitely going to happen, but
1: uh, I guess let's the, see how this
0: next season goes. I think that I guess the, a lot.
1: The, I guess the other thing that at least is worth mentioning could um uh, uh Bob Myers decide he wants to take a little bit less of a hands-on approach and keep Rose and 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 Worldwide West and those guys, you know, kind of in place, and they they kind of form a. I don't know the relationship between the two. I think it's very unlikely uh, yeah. because those are two prideful guys, and you know, usually too many chefs in the kitchen would probably spoil the thing. But I guess it's at least worth you know it, it, this way. I I think it would be a lot more feasible on Dolan's end. I think that would be the ideal scenario for him is where he brings in Myers and doesn't have to kick uh, Leon Rose and, and West. Yeah, I mean
0: Dolan. I mean he typically likes to work that way. I mean yes. when Phil Jackson came in, he wanted Steve Mills to be around. Um, when uh, when when uh, what's the name? When uh, Leon Rose was hired. I mean Scott yep. Perry was, Scott was around. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he's still here. He's still technically the general manager. So mm-hmm. this is kind of how James Dolan likes to work. Like, and I think right. we've heard him say this in interviews. He likes kind of collaborative. You know, getting a lot of smart people he feels or people he really likes all in the same room to work together. That is how he does business. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he somehow tried to swing or if he was even able to swing a Leon Rose, Bob Myers alliance. I, I would be very shocked if Leon Rose and Royal West would accept that. Like, right. you know, Leon Rose is, you know, he's got a president title. So yes. if Bob Myers is a president of another team. So Bob Myers is coming in. What's his title? Like super president, <laughs> like what, like, what, like, how does he become higher than Leon Rose? Or Who has the final say? Both,
1: both of those guys are used to
0: having the corner office, and nobody wants to to go back into a cubicle, you know. Exactly. So, so, and then I only forget about World Wide West. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't imagine he wants. To, yes. Yeah, I can't imagine he wants to take orders from both Leon Rose and Bob Myers. So that, right. yeah, this would be a that'd be a, a uh, like they say in wrestling, an unholy. <laughs> alliance like when, when Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon came together. That would be an unholy alliance if it was Bob Myers with uh with Leon Rose and Worldwide West. But we will see. Interesting story, nonetheless. We'll continue to follow it. But uh, let's get to uh this this game we have Thursday, uh, the last game of this week week of this uh you know work week. Uh it's rivalry week in the NBA, and one of the NBA's oldest rivalries gets renewed Thursday night in Boston. The Knicks head to Beantown to take on the Celtics at 7:30 Eastern on TNT. Of course, that usually means 750. Because of how late those games end up starting. Um, Boston has uh the best record in the NBA right now, 35 and 14, but they have lost two in a row. We mentioned earlier on the show. They dropped a game to the Miami Heat Tuesday game. They were winning. The Heat came back and won that one. This is only the second matchup between these two teams this season, meaning the Knicks and the Celtics. The Knicks lost to Boston 133-118 on November 5th at the Garden. It was one of the worst. Defensive performances the Knicks had all season. I remember that one. Tatum and Brown were just going crazy from three. Uh, the Celtics uh, feature arguably the best two-man tandem in the league in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Tatum is among the top candidates for MVP this season. He is third in the NBA in scoring at 31 points per game. So I'll start there, Tommy. How did the Knicks slow down Tatum and Brown in this one?
1: Well, they, they first have to hope that uh, they, that the Celtics are, are again, shorthanded. Um, last right. night in, in, the, in their loss to Miami, um, C's were playing without, um, Jalen Brown, who's dealing with a right abductor injury without Al Horford, who's dealing with low back stiffness without Marcus smart, who's nursing a right ankle injury and without Malcolm Brogdon, um, who was out due to personal reasons. Um, so that, that's the, that's the first thing they have to yeah. hope that, that those guys don't return. Uh, we'll get an injury report, um, Uh, later, uh, you know, later this evening, Thursday, prior to Friday, but, you know, Marcus Smart's still a a week or two away, Um, you know, Rob, but then again, Rob, Robert Williams did return. He's been dealing with the left knee injury management, um, but he did play on on Tuesday um, and uh, the, the, Jalen Brown, you know, again, they listed it as an abductor injury, but it's basically rest purposes. So it sounds like you know Tuesday was the was the second night of a back to back for for Boston. So that's yeah, you know, that's yeah. one of the reasons why um, you know Peyton Pritchard played forty one minutes. Um, you certainly won't, see, you, I assume you won't see that again. Um, again, we'll wait for the injury report. But um, and again, it, but the recipes, you know, pretty much the same. Um, you know, defensively, Knicks need to kind of step up, stay on their P's and Q's, a little bit more switching. Um, they're going to need, uh, you know, obviously Quinn Grimes to to play at his defensive best. And they also are also going to need, again, assuming Jalen uh, Jalen Brown returns to action. RJ Barrett's regression on the defensive end we saw it again Tuesday night other than that 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 strips uh, steal from yeah. from from Mitchell has has been an issue um and it, it it continues to be an issue um if you look at the defensive metrics his raptor rating all, you know basically all those all that stuff points to a especially it looked like he was making strides in his sophomore season played his best you know best ball as a defender uh last year even though he's a little bit inefficient offensively this year it's been a step back in the opposite direction so um you know there was even talk that rj wanted to you know wanted to establish himself as a defensive all nba defensive team guy um, he's been anything but this season and when you play a team like the celtics who have the best scoring duo in the league um, you need your perimeter your wing defenders your forward defenders to step in step up um, we'll see if rj's up to the task
0: yeah, I mean those guys are I load to handle when it comes to Brown and Tatum. I mean they, their shot creation, uh I know again two guys who could shoot from anywhere. Um it, it's 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 a tall task. And you know, it's gonna take and, and unlike some of the other matches we they've had where you know, kind of like the last game where, you know, IQ and dudes and Grimes, like you know, that trio can kind of handle those smaller guards. Um, you know, these are guys six seven, six eight, you know, so yeah. You can't rely on IQ to cover Jason Tatum. You can't rely on Deuce McBride to no. cover Jalen Brown. Like those guys are too small. So it will be a lot of RJ Barrett's responsibility to keep those guys in check. Ironically, he's you know besides the last game where Tatum went crazy. I mean, he usually guards Jason Tatum really well. Like that's that's for whatever reason just been something that we've seen for the last couple of seasons. There's a due connection. Those guys you know both work under Drew Hanlon, same agent. So I think those guys have worked played against each other a lot. So. I think Barrett seems to kind of know what Tatum wants to do. So I expect that to be the matchup. It's going to be a key one a key one in this game. I also think for the Knicks, it's about kind of pounding them in that front court. I mean, you mentioned some of the, the, the injuries that they've had. Uh, Julius Randle, I think you're looking to see if you can have another big game or repeat kind of what you did against uh, Cleveland, which was a much better front court. You know, um, you know, no Harford. Uh, you got Robert Williams, but he's been having these knee issues. He played 31 minutes in that game against Miami. He looked great. He had a great game. You know, does he play those similar high number of minutes? You know, Sam Howes is playing a lot of minutes. There's an opportunity. Luke Cornetsman playing minutes. There's a lot of opportunity for Randall and Obi Toppin to potentially have uh, big games in this one. Grant Williams had to play 36 minutes in this last game. So uh, keeping an eye out on the on those injuries. And this last game that the, the, the Heat and the Celtics played, this was a game that was kind of. Played in you know essentially like a '90s kind of game. I mean, this the final score was 98-95. It was a lower scoring game. Uh, a lot of it was 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 heat defense. Of course, they forced 17 turnovers. That could favor the Knicks as well because if, if you're talking about this game and if there are injuries and there are certain guys that don't play, and you're talking about a team that Celtics aren't one of the top teams in pace. I think they're ranked like 18th or 19th. Um, if they're going to play at a comfortable pace. I think for the Knicks, that could be something that they could take advantage of as well. If they could they could be comfortable playing in the half court. That would be a, a big one when it comes to uh, an X factor in this game for the Knicks outside of RJ's defense, who, who do you kind of identify?
1: I think it's Jalen Brunson. You know, we, we haven't really mentioned his name a lot in the last couple pods, which is you know basically because he hasn't really done anything outstanding. We've so used to right. him playing at it at an incredibly high level, he struggled, you know, hasn't shot above 50%. Um, I think it's five games in a row now. Um still putting up decent numbers, you know, like you know, 17, you know, 18, um, you know, averaging around 18 points and, and six assists, So certainly not, you know, duds, um, but not delivering at the clip you expect him to, that we've we were accustomed to over the first uh you know, 40 plus games of the season certainly not efficiency wise um you know maybe that's part of it is is kind of the, the being worn down and, and the minutes played um so we'll see if he can kind of you know get back on track and again the key factor here is uh, the Celtics without Marcus smart listen you know Jay Tatum's an MVP candidate. Brown's going to sign for max money. He's a monster. He's a stud. Rob Williams is uh, you know, defensive player of the year candidate when he's healthy and on the floor. But smart is the engine that makes the Celtics go. I was always amazed and stunned when there were even rumors that the Celtics were thinking about trading smart. I understand you want to hold on to Tatum and Brown and he was the one asset that they could part with. But to me he's the you know he's a guy that you um really is a is a backbone of a competitive winning team um one of those guys that is if he's on your team he's your you know he's your son or daughter's favorite player you know because <laughs> you, you recognize whereas if you you're playing against him you hate him um but you also respect him just because the you know the, the, as well as he plays so without their defensive anchor um and the reigning defensive play of the year um again uh, uh, peyton pritchard you shot four 14 um, took 14 field goal attempts played over 42 minutes uh, against the heat on, on Tuesday night. Um, if he's the, you know, that's, so, that's an, that's a matchup that Jalen Brunson doesn't just have to win. He has to dominate in order for the Knicks to be successful because you assume that they're going to get out, outplayed on the perimeter with, with Tatum and Brown doing their things.
0: Yeah. We, Brunson needs to step up. You know, Brunson is a guy, like you said, we talked about him, said he should be an all-star. And he was playing like one. Not so much recently, and we know how the sectors are in their guards. And if Marcus Smart is playing, and I saw a tweet saying that he apparently before the game last night he did a uh a, a somersault. I want to say, <laughs> I want to say, to make sure this is this is true. Yeah, the Boston Low Rider Adam uh Himmelsbach, forgive me if that pronunciation was wrong. Um, he he had just he walked past uh Joe Missoula and did a full somersault and said, See, you can't do that, and then walked out. Um, Oh, actually, sorry. No, Joe Missoula. Yeah, no, that no, did it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Missoula did that for Marcus Smart. So, uh, so I guess Missoula having fun there. I'm sure Marcus Smart wants to get out there and play too. So, um, look, I, I, I think that Brunson, Marcus Smart is a, is a pit bull, and I agree. A guy that when when it came to my brother as a Celtics fan, the guy who I do uh, my new generation podcast with, like, and he's talked about how much how in, indispensable. Marcus how did Smart your brother is. become a Celtics fan?
1: That's a, so my a brother
0: team. doesn't like my brother doesn't like any New York team. My brother, his oh, sports fandom guys. comes from his favorite athletes. So okay. when he grew up, his favorite athlete was uh Paul Pierce in the, in the NBA. So ah, he became gotcha. Celtics fans. His favorite color is also green. NFL's favorite player was Randy Moss, so he became a Vikings fan. Baseball gotcha. favorite player was Barry Bonds, so he became a Giants fan. So gotcha. so no team, no New York teams for him. So but we talk about Celtics all the time now. So I, I know very familiar with that roster and yeah, smart was uh is, is so it's just a pit bull. so um if he gets if he returns in this one it, you know he's gonna give brunson all can handle and he's gonna have to step up in that game speaking of the celtics and, and and this rivalry with the knicks where do the celtics to you for you rise in the rankings of Nick rivals i mean this is rivalry week and the knicks wanted and the nba wanted to have this match on national tv one of the premier games last night you saw the celtics and Heat play rivalry saw the lakers and clippers play a rivalry so, the Knicks and Celtics identified also as rivals in the league's eyes. We know the Knicks have rivalries with the Heat, rivalries with the Pacers. What are the Knicks uh, and the Celtics' rivalry lists among your uh, rivals for Knicks, for as a Knicks fan?
1: Yeah. I'm obviously near the top. Um, you know, one of the, you know, quote unquote, original six, you know, one of, yeah. one of the first founding members of, of the, of the association. Um, and if you ask Clyde Frazier, he'd tell you number one, um, those, those, those days predate, you know, the, the, the seventies, obviously when the, the Knicks were they more competing for championships, even the eighties, um, when, when, the you know, when Larry Bird and, and, and McHale and Parrish were at their peak and, you know, Patrick came along and knocked the, the, um, Celtics out in that game five at the garden, um, the Boston garden that is. Um, But again, those, those I was too young to, to appreciate or kind of develop any type of feelings toward Boston. Um, So, you know, for me, um as 43 years old is you know it's it's you know the 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 bulls you know probably first and foremost um you know or and or the pacers and and the heat are kind of right in that mix in terms of teams that really are competitive yeah. um you know less 20 years or so it's hard to have a rivalry you know i forget who it was but you know there's not a real rivalry between a nail and and a, you know between the hammer and the nail and, and, <laughs> yeah. and the mix have been a nail for the better part of of, of two decades um so you know the nets kind of sorta you know there's there's kind of some trash talking back and forth but again you know until the you, know, you can't have you can't you have to play a single playoff game in my opinion yeah. before you can have a rivalry so uh you know i guess all time celtics right near the very top but um uh, for me myself it's uh you know it, those those bulls pacers heat rivalries kind of get the juices flowing more
0: yeah first of all i will say i think that tom from tom and jerry would uh would take uh, uh offense to that hammer <laughs> nail argument because he never won his rivalry with jerry the true, Mouse. true. But, uh, but when it comes to the rivals, it's funny. One thing I love about Nick's history and Nick's fandom and Nick's lore is, like, you know, the generations and how they view things so differently. Like, you know, like you said, for people in Clyde's generation, like, it's definitely the Celtics. It's absolutely the Celtics because of those battles they had in the early 70s. Uh, but then for someone like yourself, it's, you know, the Bulls and it's the Pacers. And then someone like me growing up, you know, as a 9, 10-year-old in the late 2000s, it's a Miami Heat. I mean, the Miami Heat to me, like those rivalries, you know, P.J. Brown flipping Charlie Ward. I thought that was a year where I thought, you know, Knicks are going to go to see a championship. And I was actually going to see it. You know, I was actually going to watch them in the NBA finals, uh, you know, because I was a born in 94. I was born in 91, you know, 94. I was alive, but didn't watch or know what was going on. You know, 97, I'm six. So I'm just getting into the NBA. And, you know, P.J. Brown at that point was just like the arch nemesis for me moving forward. So, like, for me, it's the Miami Heat. Uh, it's not so much the Bulls, because, like, I didn't really grow up, like, hating Mike, because uh, by the time, like, I was watching, Mike was on the way out. So, it, it, it is interesting, and then, like, for a lot of, maybe, young fans who are Nick fans now, maybe it's the Nets. Maybe it's the Atlanta Hawks, because you talk about playoff games mattering, like, the, the Hawks, the, the only major Nick series that Knicks have had in the last decade, really, was against the Atlanta Hawks. So it, it's, it's funny how that works. I do think the Celtics rank pretty high, because I think even Throughout all those years, I always think the Celtics' games mattered. Like, obviously, they mattered in the 70s. Uh, they mattered in the 80s. You know, in the few years, Knicks were decent. Like, when you're playing against Bernard King, he's taking them to seven games against the Boston, the 86 Boston Celtics, or 83, 84 Boston Celtics, the team that won the NBA Finals that year. Uh, that Those matter. Um, in the 90s, you mentioned, you know, passion, you win with the three-point shot, uh, knocking out the Celtics at the guard. That mattered, you know. And then we get to even the mellow years,
1: and those matches with KG and Paul Pierce, like, those were big games, you know. The, the the only team to the Knicks have beat in a playoff series this millennium is the Celtics, and then thirteen. So
0: and trust me, as a Knicks fan who lived with a Celtic fan, my brother, I never <laughs> let him forget it, and I talk about it all the time. I tell him that Melo got KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen out of there. That was the end of that era of Celtics basketball, and it was thanks to the Knicks and thanks to Melo. So uh, so so I think the Celtics rank really high. Like I mean, objectively speaking, like I think they have to be top three. Because of that, because, like, it kind of really it stands the test of time where some rivalries kind of come and go. But you're right. Like, I think based on, like, wh- when you grew up and who when you started root for the team, they ranked maybe higher or lower depending on just, like, who the Knicks were battling with at that time. I hope the Knicks are able to form, like, a true rivalry with somebody. Like, this, like, whatever this thing is with the Hawks we have. I don't want to call it a rivalry yet but it's fun like it's fun like it, these games mean mean a lot and losing them sucks and then when they when Knicks beat these guys it, it means a lot so it kind of gives you a taste of what could be if the Knicks finally are able to get their act together and and, and have these strong competitive games uh, I think even going you know I was there Christmas day and the Knicks are playing the Sixers and and you know and Beads giving it to the New York crowd like, I'm thinking like man wouldn't this be a great rivalry the Knicks and Sixers another Atlantic Division uh rival uh that would be awesome you know so hopefully uh, the Knicks can continue to uh, improve and we can get a real rivalry in New York because I think nobody uh, gives it in terms of trash talk like New York fans. Uh, so let's, let's let's hope we get that. Get Bing that. bong. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's going to do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Uh, Tommy, let people know where they can find you.
1: At Tommy Beer on Twitter
0: you find me, EJ underscore Stewart, on Instagram, that, uh, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Actually, EJ on Instagram and TikTok. That'll do it for on Bluebuds. A New York Newcastle podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFN. Make sure you uh, hit the auto-download feature and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. Thank you guys for checking us out. I'm Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.